So welcome to the Church Collective Podcast. Today we have Sean Kern with us. Ooh. What's up, Sean? Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy to be here. First question, just what's up with you right now? What are you, what are you working on? Oh, man. Uh, okay, beginning of the year. I actually just finished up uh, a lot of prep for this, this conference that I just did. It was Passion 2020. Uh, kind of one of the most incredible experiences of my life, honestly. There's just so many young people in the same place pursuing the same thing. And it was, uh, it was breathtaking. So I'm almost in like recovery mode in, in a sense, just still digesting a lot of that. But so in the wake of that, though, I'm prepping for some, some new stuff, doing uh, a lot of tour prep. I'm going to be going out with Ren Collective in, a, in three weeks now. So a lot of the gear that I just got isn't quite uh, road ready. So, so I, like I just went to New Jersey to pick up this piano that I've been chasing for years. And I, this guy, his name's Brian. Thank you, Brian. You're awesome. He uh, sold me this piano for real cheap. And I, was, I found it on eBay. I said, guys, or Brian, if you could just take this off and uh, let me come up and grab it from you it'd be amazing so i drove up with my wife and friends and picked up this piano and then we spent the day in new york and it was fun but uh so anyways i gotta get that piano tour ready so i'm doing some stuff like that doing some always doing some songwriting and uh just doing church stuff it's, so it's it's gonna be good january and february are gonna be fun so what was um passion 2020 is it it's never been at on January 1st before has it so I don't know the whole legacy but I'm I'm because it's I mean it's been a, a movement for quite a while now and they've they've gathered for over 20 years but I'm pretty sure that this is the first if not one of the first that they've it's been over New Year's so it's usually starts on the first this past conference has started on the 31st so we like rung in the new year together and i think that that was uh particularly special because we're also bringing in this new decade you know and so i think that that ended up being a lot of the pulse and the heartbeat behind the conference is trying to wrap our heads around this offering to god saying you know we're, we're coming into a new era. We're coming into a new decade. How do we do this your way? You know, what does that look like? Like, how can we give our hearts to that purpose to say, hey, these next 10 years, we want them to be about kingdom things. We want them to be about eternal things. Uh, do rearrange our hearts in a way that align with that. We want to see like you see. You know, we want to participate in the God stuff. So to have to have a whole bunch of students hungry for chasing that, uh, man, it, I mean, it truly could, you know. So I, 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 that it was just really special. But yeah, so it started on New Year's Eve. We got to ring it in together, and uh, really special. Yeah, it's it's kind of took me by surprise because. Like I, I saw. Okay, they're doing something New Year's Eve, mm. on New Year's Eve, and I, and then I was like, oh, maybe it's just a small little New Year's Eve party. And then I started realizing the magnitude of it, because last year it was in like four yeah. different locations, right? That's right. And then so this time it was just mm. all in one heat. What it was it Mercedes Benz Arena? Yeah. So Mercedes Benz is a new is the new stadium in Atlanta where the it's the Falcon Stadium. I've actually, I only had been one other time for uh, Atlanta United soccer game, but it's a, it's a pretty big place. They ended up last year sometime or maybe a year and a half ago, they tore down the old dome, Georgia dome and replaced it with this thing. And I mean, it's, it's big. You can fit 70,000 or something people in there. Um, but so the past couple years, passion, the conference has been spread out a bunch of different locations happen at the same time. But this year they just brought everybody to one place 
so that was cool too it kind of felt um all the good things about church camp you know <laughs> yeah you could feel that like the being on the same pilgrimage you know being so aware uh, with in kind of a collective way what god's doing over the course of a few days i mean that's one of the most powerful things about those camp experiences i had growing up uh so you're just putting some intentionality around uh being available for god and so there's this personal thing that's happening but then there's this communal collective thing that's happening and when you're feeling the same way it can just lead to to a beautiful posture so yeah we were all together for two two days pretty intense there's a lot there's a lot of stuff going on um and then uh yeah there was this really cool initiative thing that happened too where we we raised uh, a million and a half dollars for uh this pursuit of translating the scriptures into every known language in the world so that's that's pretty special like this tangible thing college kids are they don't have a lot of money i mean i'm not in college i still don't have a lot of money but <laughs> when you get seventy thousand of them together even a it's really powerful even just this a small offering from one person can go a really long way yeah. uh so that's yeah that's pretty cool it's, it was a crazy few days yeah that's really neat um for for that million for the you know getting the the, the bible out there is, is I'd love to kind of hear, you know, my role here at my church, I kind of do a little more than worship and kind of look at a lot of mm. stuff. I'd love to kind of hear what what do you think is the thought behind, like, why, why did college students, why do younger people, they seem to rally behind, like, tangible causes. And I feel mm. like that's that's more and more of a thing. Like, could you maybe speak to that a little bit and kind of talk about how that feels for you guys? Oh, man. Uh the tangible, I think, is really important. Um, I mean, I don't, yeah, even from like a philosophical place, which is very intangible, but like we're, <laughs> we, um, that is what we are. We are, we're spirit and we're um, human and we're dirt and soul it's important to we we live and breathe in something that is physical you know and i think it's it would be a tragedy if we spent all of our energy um thinking about our theology and just sitting in our rooms <laughs> just mm. i don't know yeah. i just don't and that's that's really i mean that's important for me uh a lot of how i spend my time uh is in a certain mystical space it's it's songwriting you know it's yeah. creating and it's real impactful on the inner world and i i i totally believe in that i mean but i i want that to be paired with a growing consciousness a growing sight that that sees need and and reaches towards it yeah. I think that would separate God's people. Uh, that's a kingdom mindset, you know. Yeah. So that that's an action. That's a that's something that should be woven into the people of God. And if if it was on a higher degree, I think that the world would not only take notice, but uh, the world would start to change. And so. I mean, it was a pretty radical idea. I don't have all the stats in front of me, but to be able to see that, hey, for, from what we can tell, these are the these are the the known languages that we have documentation for that uh, they don't have even even uh, just one passage of scripture yeah. in their language, and man, we. We think over this decade, with some funding and some intentionality, like that's a that's something that I just this generation, it'd be it'd be real 
great to to lean towards that and make make the right kind of noise. That's the right kind of noise to me. We got a whole bunch of other noise going on. Um, so, anyways, those are some. I guess those are some of my my current thoughts. Yeah. You know about yeah, that's, it. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear too. You, you said you're still kind of coming down off the mountain after at, as the time of this recording. We're about a month away from. It's been about a month since you guys had that conference. Yeah. That, that's a real yeah. tangible thing for a lot of worship leaders. They maybe come out of like a fantastic service and feel like that mountaintop mm-hmm. high and, and maybe talk a little bit like what, what do you do while you're, while you're coming down and what does that mean and how does it shift you? And like, like what, what do you do when you come from moments like that? How do you, how do you use it for growth and, and moving forward? Wow. Yeah. I think in my life I have these pillars and I also tend to do everything pretty slowly. So um, when I when I do have an experience that that seems to be profound, it's important for me to take some time to let to just sit with it, you know, to stare long enough to see what is actually there you know and um because some things hit you right away and some things take a little time to permeate and to kind of you want to steep in them uh so that's almost like a uh a certain contemplative practice almost just I, let me reflect on this in a way that is meaningful uh, especially in spaces like like that or on a Sunday morning, um, the, the first impact of something could be, uh, it almost has the, um, the height side of it, you know, and that's not always bad, but um, a lot of times the, the depth of things take on a, they have a different nature. And so, I want to be in tune with the, I want, you know, I want to dig into the well that God's forming in me and I need to be available for that. And so, yeah, I've taken the last couple of weeks and part of my time with God is just reflecting on these really big, bold, powerful deposits that I felt like he did in me and in others. And I want it to shape my future you know, I want them to shape and shape my, you know, I don't want it to just be a moment. Uh, and moments are profound. I think they're some of the most beautiful things, even as a worship leader. A lot of times I'm I'm trying to be present to the little moments that God wants to do, not just singing the lyric, not just singing the, the structure of the song. But moments are what make up good conversation, you know. It's the only it's the only true test of what uh if you're even having a conversation you know you have to have a you have to have the the response you have to have the space for the interaction you have to not know exactly what someone's gonna say um so i love moments but i want yeah i want to have the time to reflect on them and let them stick to me so that they kind of get into me yeah and, that's uh, great how did you transition from Bella Reeve to Passion? Were you were you already a member of Passion, like the church, or? <laughs> I, uh, the, um, in a sense, the. When I hear that question, it just reminds me of how little I had to do with that process in terms of my, uh, my choice or my. It was just a, a life happening, you know happening upon me i think bella eve started in in orlando so i grew up in florida i ended up going to college at ucf in orlando and at some point in my towards the tail end of my my first year of school i started working at a church and i guess it was more or less my first official sort of framework around having a job at church or what you know any whatever that means 
I was learning all that. So I over I was overseeing a lot of the crew side of things. Um, and then so which just spilled over into music and worship and for the student ministry and for the college ministry and sort of that whole umbrella, you know. And uh, we just started writing. I really feel, and I, I don't know if I've even experienced this the same since then, but I really felt like there was a couple years where God just, he just kissed this, this season. You know, I just, I don't really know how to, to describe it. And I've tried before, but I was just thrown into a community that seemed to have such a heightened awareness of what God was doing. And students were, there was so much growth. Uh, there was so much, uh, again, tangible um, presence of God, movement of God, uh, sweet time. But uh, to me, I didn't really know what to do with it. And the, when I, whenever I feel like that, I just, I, I moved to music um, to process and to write. And so I started writing these songs about it. And um, that basically formed the what became a, a, like, a, I guess, a band, you know, Bella Reef became like a more formal expression. But we were writing songs with our church for four years or so. And then we started traveling a lot. And we spent three years or so traveling, I mean, over 200 days a year, you know, and it just, just popped like that. And man, whenever you're, whenever you reach that threshold of being gone more than your home, you just really have to start figuring that out. Like, not that it's a, it's just an observation. Like for everybody, it's different. But it's a threshold that um, things and how to, how to balance. And so for us, a lot of those conversations led us to thinking about uh, moving to a new place. And so that's what brought us to Atlanta. So the first couple of years I was in Atlanta, I was still doing the Belle Reve stuff um, full on and a beautiful season. But like, there was like this six-month window where we could just feel God pulling us into new space, you know. And um, I say it now like it just happened, but it, it didn't. I mean, it was hard stuff, man. Like, first of all, because we were all best friends. So when you start to feel something close for us, it really, it was really feeling like something was dying. You know, it's just like, you have to, you have to unstick yourself something that you've been there and people that you learned the presence of God with, you know, I hadn't, for a lot of us, this was our only window into worship leading. Like we, we did it with each other, you know, we were super close. And then, um, so that was really painful. And then we we're also really young. So I think something I'm still learning is the, uh, the identity stuff, you know, as a creator, as a creative, as an artist, or just as anybody in general, if, um, if you let your identity get too uh, caught in the crosshairs of things that um, are are just things that you've created or expressions that you're a part of, um, that's not you. You know, that's something that's uh, a bite of, of a relationship between you and God. But if you get all that out of sort, you man, you got a lot of healing to do on, in the inner world. So I think I, I had to, I spent about a year sifting through that, um, feeling like I put, I put all of this energy into something um, and now it's just gone. And does that mean that I'm gone? Does that mean that I, uh, does that mean that I, like how much of it was worth it? You know, you just start asking yourself these really tricky questions that um, take some time, you know. And I, honestly, I had to kind of find the secret place again, like that space where I'm not writing songs to prove anything to anybody. 
I'm not writing songs to fix anything, you know, that put all this pressure on a song when you turn it into the label, like it has to be the song that fixes. Yeah, that's just not, that. there's not a lot of good that comes from that. So I know I'm getting long-winded, but basically like I'm in this transition. I was in this transition of, I would say, coming home, you know, meet, just communing with God again and letting a song come from a simple pursuit, you know, in a simple place and a, and a vulnerable place. And that was about a year in the making. And what I guess what happened during that time and the, the goodness of God, it's so cool how a lot of these things line up, but I was home more. You know, I was home a lot more. I, I mean, honestly, everything just kind of stopped. And so it gave me this opportunity to sow into church again, you know, to meet, to make friends again, to be a community, a kingdom community that's local. And so then God started to stitch us in to, to just life with people and, and church. And it, and it was Passion City Church. And so I guess it's been about three and a half years now of a lot of intentional time um, where that's my wife and I, that's our church and those are our people. And when we are home, this is the community that we serve. And the songs that I'm writing are all connected and stitched into what God's doing in our city and, and through our house. And, And I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm now connected in a more formal way where I, I guess I'm like a, you know, an artist through the passion expression. And that's a, that is a beautiful thing, but I, yeah, I, I didn't want to downplay the, the, how hard the journey's been. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. What, what's your writing process like and how has it changed or evolved through like Belle Reve to Passion to, you know, your solo stuff? Man, for me, I think when I think about writing and I think about a lot of my friends that write, I feel like there's, there's this craft side, you know? Um, And then there's, there's more of the, the pilgrimage side and the, the uh, excavating side and people are good at usually lean towards one or the other. And so for me, I've, I've always just been someone who kind of flows and songwriting is. I rarely know where I'm going as I'm, I rarely go into a song trying to write about something. Uh, I usually kind of discover that in the in the journey of it. I rarely, I always find my way out different than I found my way in. To me, it's 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 very much a part of my communion with God. I mean, I, I feel like God brought me music to teach me how to talk to Him, you know, and teach me how to pray, to teach me how to oh you know, uh, align with the pieces of heaven in me and let my spirit speak and all of that. So I think the journey has been, for, for me personally, trying to put more intentionality around the craft side of things, you know, strengthening those muscles. Uh, I use that with just um, have that, practice have a better handle on that practice you know um different techniques to to kind of crack things open um some people have more of a proficiency in lyrics some people have more of a proficiency in just um musicality and sort of melody and so i use i fall the things that come the quickest for me are going to be just a feeling and and um, um, like a melodic 
thing. And so I usually try to align myself when I do co-writes. I usually align myself with people who um, who have a strength and like a slightly different skill set. So, because lyrics for me, I really enjoy, but it takes me the longest, you know. And so um, I love writing with other people. I love writing alone too. I think when I'm when I talk about songwriting on a panel of people. I'm usually the one who advocates. Everyone's like, write with everybody, write with everybody. I'm usually advocating for writing by yourself at mm. least once in a while. Um, because I think, man, so many things. It, uh, it's very exposing. You know, it shows you what you're good at. It shows you what you're not. It, I think there is also a degree of, it's like all through high school when you have an English paper to write. And your mom basically vicariously writes it through you. And then you get to college and you got to write that English paper and you just got to do it. Like it's, and it's the first time where you're like, oh, you know, I actually, I need to use my brain, you know, and I need to think, I need to think my thoughts and I need to mold around. I need to figure out what I'm trying to say by figuring out what I'm trying to say. I can, you know, what am I actually wrestling with here? Um, and let that process inform a melody or a lyric. I think that that's, man, that there's a lot of growth potential there. And it might produce a song that uh, has, a, has a personal tone to it that I think we could, we could have a little bit more of in worship music, honestly. Uh, Worship music, I mean, man, like worship in general, I think requires some of the most, is maybe the most vulnerable, exposing thing a person could could do. And so I, I would love songs that help activate that in people um, more. Yeah, I don't know. Those are a couple of thoughts. <laughs> That's great. Um Talk to me too. What what does your routine look like, or as best as it can be? Like, how do you keep yourself connected with God? What's your like Bible study? Like, what do you what are you reading? What's God impressing on you? Like, how do you how do you keep all that fresh? Because obviously, without that, songwriting ends up being a pretty difficult thing if you're not keeping uh, connected with God in the midst of it. It's true, man. I feel like, uh, yeah, in a way, songwriting for me has been a a central piece on on both sides. So, uh, and it doesn't have, it obviously doesn't have to be songwriting. It should be, it should be something different for, for everybody. But when I feel far from God, I, I write, you know, and then when I feel close to God, I write and I, sing and I it's it's almost uh like a spiritual practice for me beyond craft like we talked about beyond um a measurable goal for even though I'm in this place in my life where I, I have those put on me you know I, I have to turn in songs I have partners I have things but um trying to it's a spiritual practice for me to keep all that stuff way further down the list and um what i want is is to commune with god and whether i'm coming at it from the side where i i'm i'm singing because i believe or i'm coming at it from the side where i'm singing until i believe you know i just i, I need to sing i need to sing so that's a i've found that that is just a very good thing for me uh, it had me center let go of things like you have to be open you have there has to be an open path for for fear to you know get out and faith to come in you know yeah. it there has there has to you have to be able to transmit things and so again i think for everybody it's going to be different but i've just god's kind of slowly 
continues to show me how important that is for me. So I just make a practice of, of doing that. Um, I also, I go on walks a lot. You know, there, there is something about putting yourself in a space or um, maybe like doing something that doesn't require a lot of, of you mentally. But it, but it, you know, and it, 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 it like activates you just mind, body, and soul. And so for me, walking has a way of doing that. Um, kind of priming the pump, maybe creatively, or, or it's a good palate cleanser. So if I'm praying about something, I'll just go on a walk and do it, you know. And yeah. then all of a sudden, I'm talking to God, and I. And, and then everything starts to look like God, you know, because it's starting to ooze out of me. So I'm, I'm noticing just how beautiful those flowers are. And like, uh, everything becomes a story. And I, I see that person, I pass that person who's on a run. And, uh, you know, I think about them maybe the way that God would. and or Or honestly, you get this sense about them and you just pray for them as they go by like you put yourself in a position um, you're communing with God in the day to day to me that's the that's the goal right it's to even in songwriting and everything how do we find God in the mundane you know how do we see God in what we perceive to be the natural you know if we can if the natural can become supernatural for us, um, I think we're starting to do things the way Jesus did. And so I want, that's how I want to write songs. That's how I want to see people. And then it all starts to flow together. So then I have sure. this like encounter with a flower that I think is awesome. And so I write it down. And then three weeks later, I'm, in a, I'm writing a song and I play this little melody and it feels like a garden. You know, what does that mean? I don't know, but it just feels, <laughs> yeah, it feels like something's growing. Uh, it's a beautiful sound, you know, and it reminds me of the flower I saw. Uh, it's like, whoa, okay, that's that's a verse, you yeah. know, that's a verse to a song. And so, yeah, I think it's important to let, to have some practices that help engage you in spiritual uh in in your spiritual side you know yeah um yeah so um i think last year i was talking to james duke about the song step into the light and um Jeez. he was talking about how that came about and one thing that stuck out to me yeah. he said he said one thing about sean is he's not just a singer that kind of plays guitar he's like really a guitar player like he kills on guitar but then he switches over to like keys and he's just as proficient and and <laughs> coming from him i know he you know he would say yeah, like no nah, that guy sucks or not very so. Great yeah he, uh... <laughs> so what what is your like primary instrument like what did you start on like how did you come up yeah well this gets us into some interesting territory that i'm still daily uh processing but I, so i did i started on guitar guitar was my entryway into this realm of music you know this uh language that i feel like i can finally understand you know i think that for um a young angsty teen that was like a very big deal you know and it ended up being guitar and so i mean guys i would I'd come home from school. I didn't give a crap about anything else. I'd just go into my room, pick up an electric guitar, and just play and play and play and figure it all out. And I mean, five hours at a time. And my parents were great with feed me whatever they could fit through, like the crack of my door. You know, like pop tarts or something. Just I would just see a little plate like slide through. So I went through. I mean, years of just really, really 
putting in the the work of what it what it means to to get a better handle on an instrument and that that was guitar and i had i mean i had lessons too so i in terms of proficiency uh guitar is far and away the instrument that i feel most comfortable on and i spent years playing guitar before i ever started to i guess sing or lead worship or something i even in college i was more known in my music communities as the guitar guy like i that's those are the calls i would get you know hey like he's he's great you know call sean or whatever and i so at some point i just kept getting forced into singing you know some of it was like their the classic church stuff that people a lot of kids will understand you know it's just that youth group thing or, or ministry thing where you show up and you're and like you, somebody needs to lead worship today you know we we need <laughs> We have a drummer and we have a guitar player, but no, who, no one's here to sing. And so a little bit of the, okay, I'll, I mean, someone's got to do it. I'll go do it. But then also a lot of people, uh, God used a lot of other people to, to push me into singing and leading worship. And I think it, we should be very mindful when that's happening in our lives because oftentimes um God uses other people to reveal uh and anoint in you, you know. Other people see things before you do a lot of times. And that that's like a beautiful thing about the you know, the community of God. And so years of that was happening and I um and I guess it's funny now because I'm just in a I'm in a place where what I do the most is the thing that I feel the most uncomfortable with which is singing you know i i never saw myself as a singer i still do would not call myself a singer like i can maybe sing but i can't sing you know like i don't i i still feel you know nervous a lot of times walking up to a microphone and so i think i have a pretty good it's given me a pretty balanced perspective on gifting and anointing and the differences between those two things and how they don't um, are a complete reliance on God. I've, I went through seasons where I was very confident in my guitar playing to the point where I, um, I yeah, it became something i i almost could eliminate god from the equation and i've never been able to do that with singing because it i just um i don't i don't i'm not comfortable with it so that's that's taught me a lot about worship leading um so then i guess piano piano came with worship leading because i really liked actually was really into this band a long time ago where the front man played a, a fender Rhodes and to me, a Fender Rhodes is like an electric guitar version of, um, you know, the, the the way that electric guitar relates to an acoustic guitar, to me, is the same way that a Fender Rhodes relates to an acoustic piano. And so I was really drawn to it. And I just went and bought one one day and uh, started running my, my pedal board effects through it, you know, and... Uh, basically learned how to create soundscapes and i mean this was 10 years ago we didn't have pads we didn't have stuff we did so i was even in bel Eve, like i was playing piano with a bunch of reverbs and leading worship from like a you know atmospheric piano pad that i was just creating in an analog way and it was super fun but i when in terms of proficiency i'm much more proficient on guitar i can I can I have a vibe on keys, but you could never get me to. I can't like, yeah. If I had to play a gospel song, I would panic, to mm. totally fall apart. <laughs> so talk about some of those influences, like especially you know secular. Um, let, can I take a guess at what band you're talking about? Sure. Is it 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say my number one guess would be Mute Math. Two would be Radiohead. It's got to be one of those two. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was Mute Math for sure. Okay. Um, so I was real into their EP and their first um, self-titled like full length. Yeah. It really, just really did something to me. Uh, and I, yeah, I just loved I loved everything about it. And Paul Paul Meany was doing everything on uh Fender Rhodes. Just had a, a way about him as a frontman too that I still really, really value. Um so I that was a big band. I it's weird. Whenever I get asked this question, it's hard for me to pull them all in. Uh I I mean when I was in high school I was really into classic rock because if you're into guitar, I mean that was a window in history of American music where sure you needed a great frontman, but you needed a guitar player, yeah. you know? Every amazing classic rock band that everybody knows the names of, of the guitar players too, you know? It was just such an important piece. And it was even not even just like shredding. It was more like yeah, there were no bridges. It was just guitar solos. You know, every bridge of an awesome classic rock song was just a guitar solo. But I loved classic rock, I think, because it still had a lot of, there was a lot of melodic nature to the solos. Um, so I loved all that. But then when I got into college, I guess I got into more, um, I don't know, music that kind of spoke to me in a different way, maybe a little bit more artful, um, less ed, less uh, like stick it to the man stuff. Um, it's like mute math. I loved, uh, I loved Death Cab. Uh, I loved the story. Death Cab always had a, oh, such a handle on dynamics, you know, some cinematic stuff, especially from a four piece. You know, they didn't. It was never bashy. It never got. It always got so big, but not without just. It was never overbearing, you know. And they could get so quiet at the drop of a dime. I, so I loved that. But if you pull away from genre, I think I just loved and still love anything that I just see as believable. You know, if I look at it and I'm just, you just get that thing in your gut that's like, I believe that guy. Or like, I believe that girl. What she's doing, the way she's singing is coming from a real place. It matches the tone of the music. It feels like there's this synergy. It's speaking a language. Anything like that, I'm totally game for. I just, yeah. That's interesting you say that because for me, one thing I admire about you and I think of is sincerity. And mm. I know I've talked to other people, and that's one thing that always people say about you is, man, he's sincere on and off the stage, off the platform. And so to hear you say that is pretty cool, you know, kind of shows what you admire kind of comes out cool. in you. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I mean, I sure hope, especially now that, I mean, most of what I'm doing uh, in music is leading people in worship, you know, using music to create a space for people to commune with God. That's got to be sincere. I just... There's no way around it. There's no way around it. And it's getting easier and easier for people to just sniff it out when it's not. And like, what are we doing? What are we doing? If it's not, you know, I just, we make sure that that's the, that's the safety that's, that's covering the spaces we're in. It's like, you, you belong here. Um, I want you to know you belong way before there's any sense of how you should behave or what you should sound like, or I just, this is a space for you because God's heart is after you and you can bring whatever you, you bring um, because we're, what we're trying to do is lay it all down. And so that I think our, all of our guards are up. I mean, all the time. Uh, and part of leading worship is helping to, people to drop their shoulders and take a deep breath and say okay actually i think god is here and i think it, um, maybe i'm crazy but i think he wants to hear me sing 
And I think, uh, so I'm going to give it a go. And I'm going to tell him that, you know, I think I'm hearing him telling me that everything's going to be all right. And so I don't care what the person next to me sounds like. I don't care what they think I sound like. We're getting to a different zone. You know, that's love. That's love. That's the deep stuff. When I'm, when I proposed to my wife, you know, I could, it was, we were so dialed in. We could have been in, we were alone, but we could have been in front of 10,000 people. I, like, I wouldn't have cared what I sounded like or what I looked like. We'd, I mean, we're, this is love, you know. So I, I feel like that that's a zone I, I try to be in. So it's cool to hear you say that. You can sense that. Um, before we wrap up, just some random quick questions that I've just wanted <laughs> oh, to ask you. <laughs> um, first off, do you surf or skate? Um, so I broke my collarbone uh, skating. Wow. So that shows you how I am. But <laughs> I grew up in Florida. So, look, I would never profess to be a surfer. Um, but we did surf growing up. My dad grew up in satellite beach. So he, he's like a legit surfer and we were coastal kids. And what we thought about for free time, even all the way growing up, all the way in college, when I had free time, I went to the beach, you know, that's what you did. It was, there was nothing else better to do. I feel like the ocean is a, is a spiritual place for me too. And so I'd love to get to the point where I could, whatever my standards are, I could say, yeah, I'm a surfer. Um, but totally like I can paddle out and have fun and not look like a total goober, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the second question, your guitar that we posted a picture of you playing that guitar and everybody asked about it. It's like a offset telecaster looking thing. What, oh, what, totally. what is it? Like what brand okay. is it? So, um, it's a Nash guitar, man. I've had it forever. And, um, it's a little bit of a, of a hybrid of sorts, right? Because it has the offset body. Um, it feels so like the, I guess, you know, the bridge pickup is a straight up telly pickup. So it has a lot of telly sensibilities about how it sounds, but then the neck pickup is a Lawler, like, humbucker um filter tron-esque thing so it's his own deal like if you went to the lawler pickup website you know you would see his renditions of more of the classic filter trons but then he'd also have this humbucker deal that's what's that's what's in the neck and so i they do they complement each other in unique ways they're they're like I've never really played a guitar that feel. I really like how the neck feels, but I also just have a relationship with it. You know, I've just had it forever. And so, um, I can do what I need to do with it. I feel like the neck pickup has a lot of clarity for being a humbucker pickup. And then, so which I like, and then the bridge is just telly, like, raw guitar feels like such a raw guitar so i just i get sloppy and wild with it and i can throw it around it's pretty lightweight so i play that and this other guitar that my buddy andy made me the most and it, it's almost it has a little bit of a gretch kind of sensibility about it and it's just all black so you may have seen pictures of that too but those are kind of my my go-to yeah is that electrical tape did you write <laughs> thing on it? Yeah, it just says um, it just says sing and like I I like that word, you know. It's so uh, there's so much power in just opening up and letting letting something out. And so I just wrote it on my guitar. <laughs> cool. Um, and so you said you're going on tour with Ren Collective. Yeah, man. All like March, April, May. We're pretty much everywhere, coast to coast and it's gonna be fun i've known those guys for a long time i keep joking that my so everybody knows there's a couple different ways to spell sean but uh i spell mine the irish way so i feel like we're we're destined for greatness together 
So it should be, it should be a blast. I mean, those guys know how to, they know how to have a good time. And so I just, I appreciate that. I think it'll be a fun, uh, you know, dynamic duo and, and yeah, we're going everywhere. So. If do you it, have, bye. Do you have your band lineup for that? Like who's, who's going to be going with you? That's going to be tricky. We have to do, um, we're basically doing a four piece just cause we're pretty just limited with space and we're, we're still, I mean, we're a support, we're an opening band, you know, but, um, so I still have to figure out some of the details on that, but it'll be my friend, Bobby does every, we've done everything together since the start of my kind of Sean Curran deal. And, um, he plays bass, so he'll be with me. And then I've got, uh, a great buddy from church that is going to play drums with me. His name's Landon. And then we're actually using uh, Pat, the guitar player from Ren Collective, is going to play with us. Ah. So, so it'll be pretty rock and roll, like almost like Muse, you know. I'll be hopping between uh, guitar and piano a lot to kind of cover the holes, you know. Um, but it'll be fun to get creative because I usually play with like a six piece. So. Here we go on to new territory, <laughs> but it'll be, it's going to be great. That's great. Cool. Do you want to wrap it up, Ryan? Uh, I mean, how to shoot now we'll have to edit this. Uh, how do we wrap it up? I guess. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know. What's the tagline to wrap us up? Man, this is, uh, I don't know. I appreciate the conversation, Sean. This has been uh, really insightful and yeah, as yeah. much as Chris, I think you got love the heart behind everything that you're you're sharing and yeah really appreciate being able to chat with you thanks thanks for having me on um you guys are awesome thanks for listening to me ramble <laughs> <laughs>